This is the reality of black light. <laughs> this is the state of the union. This is where we're at. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time, listeners, and we're sorry about that. Yes, we are um, indeed. We're coming to you live from, actually it's not live, but you know, we're coming to you from the basement of my house at Doña Jaja's cave. And uh, I got the infamous, not the infamous, because Eric didn't like that. We have Sachin Kona with us. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Welcome, Sachin, to the pod. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's great to great to be here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Also, AD, you sound so so incredibly sad. There's a <laughs> lot going on right now. There's a lot going on. There's there's just a lot. It's just there's just a lot going on. You told me about the dog just now. That's a lot, man. I have a dog, and so this is it hits me hard. You know, like. Hits me hard. Should we talk about that? I mean, I think we have to if we're going to be real about what's going on right now. All right. So this is Levi. Um. So th- this is yeah. This is like incredibly sad. So if you have a pup, hold them close. Um. So I will share this here because my wife won't let me share anywhere else because she's so sad. But we recently had to rehome our little dog Kodak he's five years old and literally like a couple days before his birthday had to we found a new home for him so that's incredibly sad um five days before his birthday I know yeah gosh I know man it's messed up but so the the story is uh Kodak's a great dog he's very fun and friendly loves to jump around and loves people but he's a herding dog which means that he likes he will occasionally nip at things or he'll like that's his way of communication if something's bothering him or if he's trying to like focus attention somewhere else. So like gently nip, not break skin, but it's what he's known for. Or what herding dogs tended to like can do. Not every dog does it. But he's done it since he was a little puppy. So we have a sixteen month old daughter and he's never nipped at her or never nipped at any like he's always been really, really kind and gentle with her. But with other kids, he has occasionally like made a nip at the inner direction if they have like cornered him or put him into a box or kind of pushed him. So yeah, as we were now, as our daughter gets older and we have other friends come over with their kids, we are always like a little bit on edge cause it's always hard to predict what a dog will do cause they're kind of a wild animal. So yeah. So over the past few weeks we've been considering if it'd be better for Kodak to have a new home where he doesn't have to worry about that stuff and he can just be himself in whatever way that is jump on furniture, go crazy, be out of the house whenever he wants. So, yeah, we made the very sad decision that we should look for a home for him. So we did. Slowly, we just very gently put something out there online, and some girl reached out to us, and she was, like, super stoked about Kodak. We let her do, like, an overnight with him for, like, a weekend, and they, and then saw how it went. And we're like, cause we, we like, we weren't like in any kind of rush to like see what happened. We're kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens, but we're not going to like try to force it. We're not like in any, and if she doesn't feel like it's a good fit, then like, we're like, we told her like, if anything ever happens, like we, like before you ever consider if you cannot take care of him, like let us know, we'll take him. Um, but she was like amazing. And she was like really great for him. And Hillary, like I said, like, I really don't want, I want to like not like this girl, but she's like, but she was so awesome. And she was like so great with him and she's in his photos 
so we had to kind of think more deeply about what was what would happen next. So mm. yeah, we and then we were going on vacation to Mexico. And so we didn't want to f- jump anything or force anything, but it's like, if we're going to be gone for like eight days on vacation, like, should we like leave him with family or with friends? And then like, like that doesn't seem fair to him. So it's going to make the most sense to place him before we left because it just seemed like it wasn't great to like move him all around. And then, so. Yeah. I guess the, uh, when you think about the birthday, it's like, it's, it's one thing to let him go before his birthday, but it's also one thing for her to have him for his birthday. Right. That's kind of what we talked about too. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, it's like, Hey, like how great would it be for her to have a chance to celebrate with him and get him a little toy and stuff. Like she took him shopping right away to get him like a new bed and to get him some toys and things like that. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, that seems like a chance to give her the chance to bond with him in a special way. So man, no dogs are, it's tough because, uh, when I, th- I think about my dog and Kayleigh, there's no one, there's no entity in the world that is with me more than Kayleigh. Like, in life. And so there's all, I've always asked those questions like, Oh, how much would I spend on Kaylee if he broke his leg or if he got sick? And before I got him, it was probably, I was like, Oh, maybe like $2,000. Not that I have to put a monetary amount amount on it, but you would hear people spending a whole bunch of money on their dogs. And I was like, that's insane. But now that I've had him, he's so much a part of my life that it would be crazy for me to not sell my own leg if he broke it you know like i mean i'm not gonna sell my leg but maybe i would i don't know <laughs> you know like it's it, it's like it's kayla you know it's like he's it's not just a dog or you hear about some people spending like thousands of dollars on uh on their dog where you're like well you could you know save people in other countries or something and which i understand that and but I also understand the closeness that people feel yeah. to their dog. It's like and a so, companion. It's like your friend. It's not just a, an animal. It is like a close companion. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it is, it's, yeah. Anyway, so I know how hard this must be for you guys, but I know that this must be the best thing for you, for him to find a home where he is happy and all that. So. Yeah. So it's still pretty sad. Hillary can't talk about it. Not yeah. crying, so she doesn't. So it's still the thing that we don't talk about. Uh, guys, we're, I'm going to introduce uh, this guy, Sachin Kona, to you. But one of, we're talking about animals, and one of my most fondest memories, and you don't know this, but the way I describe you to people <laughs> is that when we first. I'm an animal. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's an animal. <laughs> uh, but when we first met, in well, maybe it wasn't the first one. It was in Florida. Whose wedding was it? Mercedes um, and Gary. Was that the first one? Yeah, yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Arizona wasn't first. Florida was first. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, Arizona right. was first. Okay, John, and John. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when we the second wedding when we were in in Miami, or no Florida, wherever we were, <laughs> we're in the hotel. Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah, Fort Lauderdale. We were in the hotel room, and it was a nice hotel room. And uh, a moth flew into the house, to the hotel, and I was going to step on it. <laughs> you don't remember this, but, and you were like, oh, no, no, AD, AD, hold on, I'll just take it. I'll, don't step on it, don't worry, I'll just take it outside. And very gently, you, one, persuaded me not to kill this animal, hmm. and then you freed it. And you took it outside. Liberation. And, yeah, but your, your care for even uh, the smallest things 
in the world is what spoke the loudest to me, even though I, I didn't let you know at that time. Because I think you tried to play it off like, ah, I'll just take it outside like it was no big deal. Yeah. But I could tell that it was a big deal, that I didn't kill this thing. Uh, and it's changed me. Like, from then, oh, wow. I care for the ant. I care for the, you know, I... I I still eat meat. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But you know, it did. It was a marked moment where I was like, "Oh, he he cares for the smallest of the things." Um, would you mind sharing a little bit of where that's rooted? Yeah, sure. Uh, that's awesome. That's uh, I don't actually remember that happening, but I've definitely yeah. saved quite a few moths and <laughs> spiders in my time and other creatures. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just on its own journey in this uh, in this great, amazing cosmos. Or cosmos, you guys call it? Um, <laughs> that your American accent? Is that that yeah, was? that was that was me. Cosmos. Well, cosmos. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in America. I'm in your homes. So <laughs> it's like, let, let me at least make a bit of an effort, you know? Yeah, so, I can't um, wait to go to London and make fun of your accent. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be making British fun. In a British accent. <laughs> yeah, but Hello. it's a good opportunity to you know learn and, and yeah, uh, work no, on your technique, especially you know? in the morning, like the top of the morning, top of the morning to you, sir. Yeah, we no, do just... all say that all the time. So <laughs> it's good. I, yeah, I, it's I, good. I'm ready for my trip to London. <laughs> yeah. You, you should get a top hat as well, too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, you'd look good in a top hat, dude. Like, thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> but yeah, the reason for that is, yeah, it's just on its own, you know, journey or whatever that may be. And it's like, it's really easy, as, as you said. Like, um, uh, I don't know. I just want to, if, if I'm happy for it to just be there in the room, and that's cool. Bit of nature inside not a bad thing. It's a moth. It's just doing its own thing. So yeah, I don't know. I just, w I just thought, okay, if it's causing somebody discomfort, then I will, uh, yeah, just grab a glass and a postcard is usually what I do and just kind of trap it in the glass, slide a postcard over the glass. It's a good technique if anyone wants to take notes at home, um, <laughs> open up a window. Sometimes it's good to open up the window before you actually do that because, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, and then just release it into, the atmosphere outside. So, so the home. moth is on its own journey. Yeah. Like it has, it's an entity in the, in just cosmos. As, in the cosmos, in the just cosmos. as important as a human or yeah, why not? Why not? It's well, got just, its own life. It's, yeah. it's doing its own thing. I don't think uh, I have the right to take away its life. Okay. So, but I'm happy to release it. And yeah, Fair. I've saved many mosquitoes. Oh man, even mosquitoes. That's the hardest one. Yeah. Mosquitoes in. Yeah, I got no mercy for mosquitoes. When they bite you, like a mosquito on you, you will save. I don't get bitten by mosquitoes as much anymore. Oh, because they I've all saved know that so many of them. I feel like they just like spread the word. <laughs> yeah, they've told their other like mosquito friends, and they kind of yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Me and uh, Ross were in uh, Burma, and man, we had a lot of mosquitoes in our uh, room. Like, I don't know, man, twenty or thirty or something like that. Whew. And we spent a good half an hour. Capturing them and throwing them outside, or not throwing them, but you know, releasing them outside. And Ross also had a net that he slept in that I was very jealous of. I did not have a net. Um, but I slept that night and I didn't have one bite on me the next day, man. And there were definitely still mosquitoes in that room wow. and wow. no bites. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's oh, pretty, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. What, what, uh, you've been visiting here for a couple of, a couple of days here in Denver. Mm. We've just been hanging out. We've been working. We've been doing the thing. Uh, drinking whiskey. Drinking whiskey. Uh, yesterday we were in an Uber, and Sasha <laughs> was just talking to me and my friend Izzy on the phone. He was just, or not on the phone, in the, you know, in the in the Uber, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. Um, 
And so much so that the Uber driver who was silent the whole drive, it's like he was compelled to speak. Like he was like, he, he was like, wait, 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 wait. Explain to me what you're saying. Like, cause I was like, oh, Sach has like been my guru. He was telling me about uh, just kind of how to take care of my body, you know, and how I should envision my body as uh, more than, uh, or something that's also working for me. And, and my, and what I took from that was that I should repay my body in, in, in ways like I should, my body's, my heart's pumping, everything's working and I should do things to say, Hey, like I'm taking care of you. And so he was explaining, I had said it in the car and he was explaining it to Isabella. And then the Uber driver, the way he speaks is very eloquent. He has the accent and all that. So <laughs> the Uber driver was like, wait, wait, so what should I do? Like, and so you could tell that he was, he was changed in the, in the, in the first few minutes of, of talking to you or just experiencing you talk and you could tell that he's going to go and do something else or he's going to do something that would be different. Cool. Yeah. It yeah. Was, that uh, was very encouraging. I was, uh, <clears throat> I'm speaking at a conference, uh, this week on Friday, uh, in Marfa, Texas for field trip. And, um, and yeah, so we were, we were discussing those ideas and then at the end, uh, yeah, it was really encouraging because I just wanted to kind of give you guys the layout of, um, what the presentation was and, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to sure, share whatever you feel like sharing? Or? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great because I'm I'm not as eloquent and I don't have I can fake the accent, but yeah. <laughs> I like to hear <laughs> Sasha do it and then hear you do it. Would you like After me to <laughs> tell you the concept? Is it? No, that sounds Australian. That's not Australian, did it? Not Australian. Dang it! I oh well, I, I'll just I'll mimic it. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, cool. Um, so I mean, these are ideas and concepts and things like that that I've taken from different teachers and gurus that I admired, like. Sadhguru um, and Tony Robbins, Russell Brand. There's just like different people that I... Sorry, Russell Brand? Yeah, Russell Brand. As a guru or as just a... Well, guru means teacher to me. So somebody who can guide or teach or spread some knowledge or wisdom or give me a tool or a technique or... You know, every Everyone, everything and everyone is a guru to me, really. Mm -hmm. It's just like I can learn something from uh, Kayla, you know, and I can learn something from that moth and... They're all teachers and guides to me. Wow. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. So, but Russell Brand, as you brought it up, like um, I used to not like Russell Brand at all uh, way back when. And, um, but he really turned his life around and then had become like super inspiring to me. And, um, and yeah, I was just going through some stuff in, in life that uh, I was struggling with, especially with regards to uh, my tension and stress and anxiety. And, um, and Russell talked a lot about meditation. And so um, just seeing how much of a shift he had made in his life through meditation really encouraged me to um, give, give it a shot and look further into it. So um, I hugely, I am hugely gratitude to Russell Brown because from meditation, it led me to pranayama or breathing techniques that my parents had always been like kind of showing me, but Russell was kind of like the, the trigger for me. And then that led me into like deeper yoga. And then it's led me to this conversation now, you know, like, and mm -hmm. speaking at Mafa. So how do you practice meditation? What is that? What is that? Yeah. How does it manifest itself in your life? Um, yeah. So I, I do transcendental meditation. Um, it's, uh, I do that too. But anyway, continue. <laughs> What's it, mate? I'm joking. I, I, know, I think I should ask AD the question. I'm joking. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have before. Anyway, continue. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No worries. Um, <laughs> 
yes, yeah, so trans- <laughs> Transcendental, Transcendental meditation, meditation or TM, TM for short. Um, yeah, that's how I know it. TM, yeah, TM. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a mantra based meditation. Mm, so mm, it's yeah. uh, <laughs> twice a day. First thing in the morning, usually wake up, and um, it's actually not as big a part of my practice anymore. But it's something that I can go to whenever I want. But it's it's meant to be practiced twice a day. First thing in the morning, twenty minutes, and then at some point late later in your day. Um, and yeah, people like Russell do it. Um, David Lynch. Uh, I was looking up people who are uh, who who still practice it around the world. Um, like uh, yeah, Oprah. Uh, so Jobs, transcendental, of, like you literally try to get out of your body, kind of thing. Or oh what, yeah, uh, it's to transcend, I guess. Like yeah, physical reality, not to be uh, to wishy washy about it, but mm. to just kind of like dive deep within yourself really you to transcend being mantra focus is it a, a ch- yeah. chant based or yeah so it's literally a word which mm. is a sound that means absolutely nothing so mm. you can actually even just figure out your own um mantra if you want but mm. it's not like anything that should spark ideas or thought you mm. you you use the mantra like as a vehicle to take you to the destination gotcha, which yeah. is deep within yourself and is that to like distract you from is it to keep you focused on doing to something? Fo- yeah, yeah, to create to create focus so that you can dive in yeah. <clears throat> deeper. Uh, thoughts and anxieties and stress may come up, or creative ideas may come up for me. And I use the mantra to actually not acknowledge those thoughts, mm. but it those thoughts get released through, I guess, uh, the subconscious or through through the meditation. But um, I keep going back to the mantra if a thought does come up, and then the mantra that then slowly after time gently kind of disappears and then it's kind of nothingness which is a beautiful beautiful space to be which is i know the closest thing i can think of is like when you're asleep Mm -hmm. it's you're still alive everything's still functioning and but you're in this other state of consciousness just like maybe when you're daydreaming you're just off somewhere else you know so what Um, do you do if you're meditating and you have an amazing idea like oh my gosh i gotta do some of those right now yeah just let it go or do you gotta Stop, write it down, and go back to meditation? Yeah, so I, I, I have stopped and written things down, but I've stopped doing that now, um, and I've just gone back to the mantra, because because uh, my teacher who taught me transcendental meditation would have, like, check-ins every now and again and meditate together, and, um, and I asked him about it, and he said, you know, if it's that much of a good idea, it will come back to you, and mm-hmm. it's true, it does. Um, the Beatles are really famous for meditating and then creating amazing songs through their meditation and then breaking out of it and then just, like writing amazing poetry or, or the songs that wow. they created it's crazy. and stuff. So so the word you talked about, mm. is that word, you just make it up or it can be anything? No, it was given to me. There was uh, like uh, a process. Um, it was given to me. We, I was... Uh, so it's a thing. It's like a long thing. Like Levi, no, I couldn't it's, give it's, Levi a word right now. It's two now. syllables, it's one word. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could do. So like, like everyone thinks of meditation, they think like, um, is that kind of mm. that same thing? It's like that. That's yeah, the um is a, that is a word that you can yeah. use mm. to to meditate. It's definitely uh, a mantra that I go to every every day. Actually, that's a different type of uh, meditation that or exercise that I do in the morning. Um, but it's not. It leads me into a meditation, but it's not for. Um, it's not a meditation, mm. but it is a very meditative process. Yeah. Just like shooting a wedding or photographing and doing portraiture, you're like kind of not. You're you're doing the thing, but not you're not actively thinking about it. Just like when you're running. Um, or oh, dude, I'm do, I'm thinking during all those things. Those are like stressful times. Yeah, shooting stuff and running. Well, running especially that sounds stressful. <laughs> I'm just like, um, 
You just think, 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 think. You need a word, bro. I'm going to give a you a word. And uh, <laughs> you're just going to drop in about uh, bees row. Bees row. What are you? Why did you say it like that? <laughs> anyway, ne- next time, man, you need to drop in and just like uh, do some meditation. I will apparently. use the word that you've gifted me. Well, they. <laughs> bees row. <Yeah. laughs> it's um, not. Uh, that word means nothing, right? It's just a sound. That's, yeah, it's that's just the a thing. Sound. Like, but I mean, yeah. these are very; these are like consecrated sounds. They're very spir- like spiritual mm. sounds. Oh, so they, okay. They have, so it's not a nothing. They have a vibration to them that uh, that yogis over thousands of years have like worked and refined. It's yeah. like a tool, like a hammer. Yeah. It's just it's it's that shape for a reason. So you can't just make up words willy nilly. Well, no, like, no I mean you can if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't willy nilly. The, the most important thing is to bro. <laughs> There's a lot of. Uh, can you sense that there's a lot of tension between Levi and I? <laughs> can, no. you, can you sense it? Actually, no, man. No, no, it's horrible right now. Ugh. Anyway, please continue, <laughs> Guru Sachin. Guru Sachin. I'm not a guru, by the way. I can, yeah, I'm experienced in... Everyone's, everyone's, a everyone's, a guru. A everyone's a teacher. That means everyone's a teacher. Everyone's a guru, and you're literally you're, teaching you us. You are guruing <laughs> us right now. Guruing Except you right it. now. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I guess in the traditional sense of a, of a guru, I'm, I'm not a guru. But I am experiencing my own experiences, which I can speak to you. Your experiences, your experiences, your own experiences. Yeah, so wise, you little, <laughs> little riddler. You're like I am only experiencing my own experiences. <laughs> Just go yoga on you. That's that's awesome, man. Yeah. No, I, which. Sorry, <laughs> I, I think I. I mean, we're gonna stop. Let's stop putting you on the spot here, and we'll just talk about whatever. But uh, what I do love is that you live this. That the things that you're talking about aren't. It's not just like, um, like I might play with it and make light of it. But for you, uh, it's something that whenever we talk, um, even the days that you've been here, we've gotten up in the morning and started doing workouts. You know, and you're just like AD. You 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 want it for me to like keep going and to mm. get care. Even before our workout that we did at six thirty this morning, seven thirty. I don't know this morning mm. when I came out of the room, he was already doing ending <sighs> a twenty minute yoga session. You know, like he just made room for it, and so it's uh, and I and we've talked about this kind of stuff over the phone before. And I just know that it's for you. It's it's reality. You, you live it, and so mm. I I think it's very amazing. That's it's really cool to know that it's not just like fluff or you know like for show or mm. anything like that. That you're you're pursuing it, um, and so yeah, much yeah. love, man. Like um, yeah, just I uh, I don't know. I've had some like big realizations over the last like few years, and um, through like health scares and and things like that. It's it's made me just realize that my time on this planet is limited. And so I want to maximize my time on this planet and, uh, and use my body for what it was created for, I believe. And, um, and just, you know, uh, not take advantage of it really. Um, so and, take and that's advantage just deep, of your own body. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Like not, uh, mistreating it, misusing it. I mean, obviously I, I'm not perfect and I'm still working on these things, but, um, mostly over even just the last month, man, like I've, you know, really deepen, deepened it even more. So each, um, yeah, each time I do this practice, it just helps me connect better with myself and my own like mental state. I know where I am every day. I know if I have like 
as we were talking before, you know, really stressful thoughts that come through my mind during a mantra, then I know I've got to meditate more or maybe I fall asleep, which is perfectly normal. That mm. happens a lot to people when they meditate, especially if they are fatigued and things like that, um, because you are getting to very deep, restful states. And then I just know that night, okay, you've got to sleep earlier. I'm not going to go out. I'm going to like, you know, have, have an earlier night. Um, but then other times I get all these really amazing creative thoughts like the Beatles did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and create those songs. I think of a great photo idea or something. And, um, and then I know I'm, my mental state is obviously in a good place. So super happy, just oh. continue meditating. And then when I have finished the meditation, those ideas do come, do come back to me. What is your posture for meditation? Yeah. So the yoga that I do in the morning is, um, to, uh, align and take care of my spine. Mm-hmm. So it, it's basically a cross cross-legged position. Um, like the lotus position, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so my my spine is is straight, and yeah, that's what I do. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's it, man. Like, but with TM, what I love about it is that I can meditate on a plane. I could be on a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in between, like I've you know been out with friends, then I'm going into a meeting. I use it as like a palate cleanser. Just I'll like do a quick five minute meditation just before I'm going on to the next thing. Just to mm-hmm. kind of like wipe the slate clean and just be be refreshed so i love it that it's just a, such a simple tool that i can just go to at any time um, yeah. and continue to use but i feel like i want to go back to the to the um to the air not the airbnb the uber driver the uber, uber driver yeah i feel like we left that sure sure a bit yeah. went straight into meditation but all all it was is uh why <laughs> i guess he was inspired over that little talk was um uh i guess that i've got this from uh more from Sadhguru, who's mm. who's an amazing yogi from from India, that um, that this body is is like a vehicle, and we take care of our like laptops, and we take care of our actual cars and things like that. We get a service, we do the maintenance in terms of oil and water and whatever, and then we run virus scans on our computer, and you know we just like really look after these things, but we don't look after our own bodies, which is the vehicle, like the ultimate vehicle, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I want to, you know. Um, take care of it and and that's why that's why i do do a lot of these practices really because i want to um yeah maximize its potential whatever that may be so i have one quick question and i have another follow-up actually it's not really a follow-up but first question if you if you were to tell just like the people that we're talking to you have like a like i want to get i'm stressed out and i want to get started into yoga or meditation What's a easy place for me to begin? Where where do I start that journey of like, okay, I do want to de-stress my life or start thinking about mm-hmm. my body as a vehicle or or whatever? Uh, how would you? What would you say to someone to begin this? Um, I guess really know what, something I've been working on with a coach that I have or a mentor that I have um, is just really knowing my why, like knowing why do you want to take care of your body or why do you want to like have less stress or you know. Um, and just really knowing like kind of the end goal. So like with our businesses, we know, oh, hey, I want to earn X amount so I can live this life or I need to shoot this amount of weddings. And you, you kind of have like your purpose and direction, but sometimes people go to the gym because it's like the thing to do, like look after your body or, but they don't really uh, have it really defined in, in their mind. So I would first say define, do your best to at least write down some form of statement or define exactly what your purpose is and why you want to uh maximize or yeah take care of your body in whatever way so that you you have your um purpose and then from there just kind of just start literally just like one minute 
um, I would invite, I would encourage you to at least do 10 minutes every morning because, I, yeah, I really feel like if we can't make space for 10 minutes in our day, then what is our lives really? Yeah. <laughs> but should, should um, I start with TM? Should I start with yoga? Oh, should they start like more with, specifically. Yeah, what, what would I start with once I have my why? Yeah, okay. Um, Just resting? Yeah, that's a... That's a is that a tougher one? That, that's a hard one. I mean, there's so many different um, types of meditation and different types of yoga techniques and pranayama, breathing techniques and stuff like that. Um, I would just go to the one that is familiar or feels right to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that you're excited by or the one that you, maybe you've heard about more. Um, TM was the one for me because I heard Russell Brown speak about it and then I looked up other people who'd spoken so highly of it. And then the turning point was when I saw kids speak about it um, at a school in LA and they had incorporated transcendental meditation into this school that had like a high, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, was it, wasn't it the school that had like, they had a lot of kids that were like in detention and struggling with like yeah. school discipline? Yeah. yeah. And Poor disciplinary records, like yeah. um, high, uh, not non-attendance. Truancy. <laughs> uh, truancy, truancy rates, truancy, thank yeah. you. High truancy rates, um, even, you know, physical... Uh, um, harmed like between kids and teachers and, and things like that. And they introduced TM and then they're like, the literacy went up. The attendance rate was like almost a hundred percent. It was crazy. And I just saw tears coming out of these kids eyes talking about how much they called it quiet time and how much it had helped them. And I was like, to me, kids are the truth. And so when I saw that, I was like, sign me up. <laughs> I went to that, uh, school. That's where I, <laughs> that's where you learned your uh, yeah. original TM. Yeah. Not only did I go there, I am also the truth. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, you are the truth, AD. Thank you. Uh, Sach, you do so much. You seem to be one of the busiest, hardest working photographers in the land. You're from Vancouver by way of London. Um, and you've been there for, what, seven, eight years? You not only run a successful wedding photography business, you just got the Industry Achievement Award in Vancouver, so you are one of the most highly respected. Sorry, Kate. You're one of the most highly respected photographers for that, and then you also run uh, one of the best workshops I've ever been to called Arc, um, which is for creatives and business types, and so so many people. Uh, not just in Vancouver, you know, I've benefited from going there. It is one, not only is it the best run, uh, but people are so inspired just by you putting yourself out there. It's a lot of hard work. Um, And so, dude, I'm so like pumped just to have you as a friend, but also to have you on the pod so people can hear about what you're doing. Thank you, dude. Um, uh, So when we come right back, I want to jump into a little bit of... uh, what what arc arc means and uh, some of the the struggles in the workshop world and things like that. So we'll be right back. The the most exciting thing, you know, now that we're back, we were just <laughs> all right. You can you can tell by a lot the, of things happen in the break. Yeah, in the break. This <laughs> is the, the most. This is the most the heaviest break we've ever had. The levity in the room is now is now tangible. <laughs> Everything is just wonderful, you know. Uh, but we're talking about Maxine. <laughs> oh my god! We're talking about Sachin's lady Maxine. Yeah. This lady is full of life, full of joy. Like we met her in Vancouver. Vancouver yeah. Shout out to Maxine. Yeah, what up, Maxine? Yeah. How you doing? Um, so you guys are both in the 
planning stages of some uh, some workshops. Yep. You know. Mm. Uh, so Blacklight, we like to uncover some of the unseen things. Um, maybe you, and I'm sure you guys can both speak about some of the struggles that you go through when you're planning workshops, when you're when you're executing them from the actual side of the the organizer. Uh, what comes to mind when you think of some of those struggles? You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually really curious to hear what you have to say because I feel like you've been doing this longer and on a more professional scale than I have. Um, one thing I just think is really interesting is people. People are the best and sometimes they're also the worst, if we're honest. And like um, we got an... So we're, right now we're doing venture workshop which is a filmmaking workshop the brand i work with white and reverie they do a filmmaking workshop and it's it's really great and all of our attendees are freaking awesome but like you also get some random emails like hey like this event they just like give you feedback at the event without having come to the event or just like hey this is what you you should do this instead like one person they inquire about something and it's just not even in the scope of what we're able to offer and then these are people that haven't come come. they're like considering coming out and they're saying hey like you know and so they, they wrote into the workshop and we kind of answer the question and say, and it's kind of said like, yeah, here's why we like what, what you're asking for. We're not able to provide. And they kind of said, and then they wrote it back an email saying, Hey, like, I know you want to run a good event. And so every event runs off a of great feedback. So here's my feedback for you. And it kind of like listed off like a couple of different things of like why they were unhappy with what we told them. And I was just like, what? I was like, I don't understand why. Again, like it just it, to me, it's just like you have expectations of what people expect out of you. I think that's the biggest thing is tempering expectations is really hard because you can only do so much with the event. It can only accomplish so many things. You're not everyone's going to be happy with what you do, mm-hmm. and you're obviously trying to do the best thing you possibly can, the best speaker that you can, the best you know experience overall. But no matter what you do, like it's never going to be enough for everybody. And that for me is a hard thing to let go of. To say, okay, like I have to recognize that I'm going to let some people down, even if it's out of my hands. Um, just because like they're not going to be happy with what I do, they just they may, for whatever reason maybe they can't be pleased, maybe they, it wasn't what they thought it was, maybe I didn't set the right expectations. But in general, yeah, like the recognition of like yeah, like it's not always going to be what people aren't going to be happy. I guess mm-hmm. so. That's for me. I think has been one of the harder sides in the organization part of the event. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Taking that uh, critique is <laughs> is very tough, and it can like throw off your whole day or week mm-hmm. or something because you can take it really to heart and you want to try and please everyone and, and do your best and you are doing your best. Um, you're not trying to like hustle anyone out of, right, <laughs> out of yeah. money. You're like trying to put on a thing to, to help others. And, and then, yeah, you know, um, I definitely was very challenging in my first year when I first part of the conference, cause I was doing it solo, put a lot of money and investment down. And then like, um, yeah, just started getting attacked by like a Facebook group that I, that I absolutely loved and was like, Oh man, like this is just going to, ruin everything and i don't think i'm gonna sell any tickets now mm-hmm. sorry you were attacked by a facebook group yeah i, mm-hmm. I felt i was being attacked mm-hmm. like yeah um, you, what were they attacking you about uh lack of diversity mm-hmm. in my speakers and uh yeah just not representing the community as well as yeah. i could have been and this was you know like three years ago so obviously in the last few years it's become even more apparent and it's something that i've been Working towards is obviously as a minority, it's always on my mind yeah. as well. <laughs> I, mean, I also feel like ARC is probably the most diverse 
of the mainstream conferences that I what yeah right. was it diverse when you did when when they attacked you or what did it help you it could have been better it could have yeah. and better. it can always be better sure it can always be better yeah. um, but it was the best I could do at that time right. for with the resources I had and the connections I had and you know like um, I consider myself especially when I was doing that like just a nobody like people like taking my word mm-hmm. um, and through other connections uh, putting their trust in me to to speak at my event so. When people saw the speaker list, um, they felt like it wasn't as diverse as it could have been. And, and I agree, it, it wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. But I did do my best. Obviously, my best wasn't enough. So people were saying, hey, you shouldn't go to this as, you know, use your you know right to vote in inverted mm-hmm. commas like, by not purchasing a ticket for this. And I was like, shit, That's this crazy, is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, because, what, what am I going to do? Because um, you, you, I think you just said it, but you put a lot of money down hmm. of your own personal money to run the event. Yeah. And this is a question that I, I think I wonder is is why you run the events. Because hmm. I know it, for you it's a very personal thing. Like you you run it not for money. Hmm. Like Or it, do you get money well, from there's it? A, or? No, there's definitely a monetary aspect to it that I am like uh, motivated by, but it's not the main motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to backtrack slightly, like the way I got around not having diverse speakers was by doing – Mini presentations from other speakers that were diverse, but they weren't keynotes. Then the audience gets to speak. Um, that's obviously very diverse because I'd, I'd make it diverse by whoever puts a hand up. Um, I hired like diverse um, bands and uh, my you know like host and and things like that. So I you know made up for the diversity in other ways. Um, but, but they uh, were but, talking but, so. But everyone just talked about the keynote. Mm-hmm. You haven't even. Yeah. They hadn't even been. The well, conference hadn't even started yet. Is, no, no. Yeah. This was like a week into it being released. Like, so it was. It was I was. Yeah, yeah. in tears, man. Yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you just carry on and keep keep. I I, I knew I was doing my best, so that yeah. that kept me. Um, and I and obviously spoke to friends and, and people like that. Definitely did some more meditation. Actually, there was some meditation that week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. big time, man. Seriously, it's help, it helps me through that because it's hard to navigate when you're like alone, really. And it is just you and your thoughts and you and the cosmos. So you've yeah. got to figure these things out. You know? And I think that that's what's so hard with events, I think, is that for the most part, I'm not going to say everyone, but for the most part, people are doing the best that they can. And sometimes, you could, like you said, you could always do better. And there is a responsibility to do better, to think more strategically, to have more diversity, all that stuff. Those things are really important. They're like, you can't ignore them. But it is hard when, like, if you've never been in the position of having to organize something to, and, you, and people are constantly critiquing what's already being out there, it's like, listen, if you want to do something better, do it. Go if you want to, exactly. yeah, if you yeah. want to like, <laughs> drop whatever, like, I mean, 20 to 40 of your own, Twenty forty thousand of your own dollars into getting something off the ground initially to like take that risk to make it what you think it should be. Mm. Like I'm not stopping you, yeah. but and I think that's what's re- that can be really hard is that people don't always see that. And I think on the side of like the of organizers, there is responsibility to be intentional about that stuff. Definitely, but it's also I don't think people see like I think people like assume that it was. It's like almost they like assume it was crafted to be that way. Like this is mm. crafted to be an experience that 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 it, you are in the margins of, yeah. um, which is just a bummer. Cause I feel like yeah. that's so not true of who you are and not true of who we are too, but you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. There was it's, a quote, there was a quote that I read or heard or, and it was from an American president. I think it's Roosevelt where it, he talked about step, you know, if you're going to critique, like step into the arena, basically mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. also show, show me what you can do as well. Yeah. And that, that really helped me a lot, man. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, that's true. Like I'm doing a lot of work. I'm doing my best. And this is a lesson I'm going to learn from it. Each year I've worked even more hard on diversity. The, 
the last year was probably the most diverse I've ever been able to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, in term, but not in terms of just people, but in terms of thought, in terms of like the sort of presentations yeah. and you know just the whole experience. I thought like, it was awesome. I was like, man, everyone here is so different, and, and I loved it. There was such a great representation of voices. Like people, everyone here is saying not they're saying something different, but there's so many different nuances to what they're saying and why they're saying it that way. Like they're, you can tell that their history shapes like what you know part of their identity. Like um. Was it John who did the Chinatown hmm. photo series? That was just so cool because like he was kind of talking about you know just like his own heritage and culture and kind of like this like nuance like yeah this project is important to him for m- way more reasons than just that it's like visually appear you know hmm. visually interesting. Um, which I think is I think that's dope. I think it's cool to know like why people like the stuff that they like. And you know just yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Awesome man, that's awesome man. I'm glad that you quoted uh, President Roosevelt. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Roosevelt. I'm gonna have to like Google it now. But it was a, it was a great quote. <laughs> I'm just, I just like how you said it, man. It's just <laughs> you're like Roosevelt. Here in America, we call him Roosevelt. We call him, we call him Roosevelt. It's so Roosevelt. Yeah. He's got two O's in his name, man. Well, like, right, this is just how we say it, man. Yeah, like Roosevelt. Okay. Also, wasn't yeah. Teddy Roosevelt like a huge? Colonizer, I don't too? know. I just thought, <laughs> oh, it was funny that he said Roosevelt. I was like, President Roosevelt, uh, <laughs> Theodore, Theodore, yeah. yeah, versus Teddy. So that actually uh, is is a good segue to the next question. Um, when you think about the backside of of workshops, is there anything that you were pleasantly surprised about? Like on the upside, like you're like, man, this is this is something I didn't expect from. Uh, the workshop that I that I put on, or this is like a a really awesome like byproduct of of what we did uh, that you didn't plan for, but you were happy about. Um, that's a good question, man. Um, something I didn't plan for. I don't know. I think it's just given me like some great opportunities. It's allowed me to like really um, think more about the community and and my uh, kind of position within that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one, man. I haven't really thought about it sure. uh, too too much. It's just it's just a, it's given me the permission slip to connect with people that I wouldn't have mm. any reason to connect with otherwise. Mm. If there's a photographer that I really admire out there, or an artist, or you know, we had um, the art director from the Revenant speak at Arc from but, the Revenant. Yeah, the he, movie, yeah, yeah. He he spoke at Arc and it's and freaking be- awesome because of Arc, I can connect with these people. Whereas before it's like, Hey, I'm such a kind of photographer. Like, would you mind, uh, having, can I have some of your time? And it wouldn't be possible. Like <laughs> yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, he's a, um, Hey, uh, Hamish Purdy is an amazing human. Like I'm sure he would have definitely given me his time, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's just, a, it's given me, uh, that permission slip and that confidence to now just mm-hmm. connect and try and connect with anyone because why not? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think for one that we have had with venture is that there is, I think if you create a gap in like programming, people tend to fill it with like community aspects that you wouldn't have accounted for. If you create space for it to happen, it usually gets filled with really awesome things that you could have never created on your own. Like we did, um, our second venture was in, at Silver Falls in Oregon. And that one was, it was still on the smaller side. It was like, you know, we had about 45 people there, including the teachers. But everyone was staying in these like lodges and every lodge had like a little lobby. And people would just hang out in those lobbies to like all hours of the night, just hanging out. They'd be working side by side and it'd just be, they'd be either having classes or working or just hanging or like there'd be little campfires in there. You could like have a stove. And in contrast to that, the one we did in New Mexico in November, um, we didn't have those spaces for that 
you know, commonality. There was a little fewer and, far, fewer and farther between, and the location was a bit more spread out. So that so we didn't have as much of a gap in the vacuum for that. But like, and it didn't get filled. But the, the one in Oregon had that. Like, there was a gap in a space, and that informs other events too. Like, oh, we have to intentionally include deprogrammed time where we create space for stuff to happen, but let people be creative with how that is navigated. Like if you tell people like, Hey, after we're doing karaoke, we're going to have, we're going to either grab drinks at a bar or get a pizza down the street. They have an idea of what they can, of, they'll show up because they know what to expect a little bit, but then they will deviate on their own terms with other friends to do other stuff, nice. which is what you want. I think you want people to like create their own community. Uh, you want to create like a, a container for the community to exist in and let then let it evolve within yes. that. So definitely. I thought awesome. that would happen at arc too. Yeah. Like we went out and got, um, got pho at um, Phnom Penh and uh, over in, in Vancouver. And I feel like it was a random kind of group of people. Like everyone was kind of like eclectic in terms of what they were doing for work, but it was great. And it was a lot of fun. And um, that crew of people, I, we talked to the whole, yeah, it was like, like the core group. I feel like we ended up hanging out with people like the whole time. Like yeah. Ben Blood well, May, and Josh Olson. Yeah. And, yeah. May. Like and yeah. I was like, man, this May. is, the, I saw, I remember that lunch yeah. break. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go to that lunch yeah, and I yeah. can't, I've got to like prep the next yeah. thing. But, yeah. uh, that, that brings me so much joy, man. Yeah. Like just see, just seeing that it lit me up so much. And I was like, Oh man, I had so mm-hmm. much FOMO. Yeah. Um, but well, at the same time, like Maxine was there. So it was great. Yeah. That's one thing you, your point you mentioned too, is like relationships. That's like totally unexpected, but every time it always connects, like, so Ben blood, who was at this arc, me and him met, randomly in Iceland like five years ago. No way. I saw like him post like a, a photo on Instagram as pre-stories and it was just like Iceland and I was like, oh my gosh, like Ben Blood, he's amazing. So I messaged him and said, hey, like, if you're, I'd love to get breakfast or something. So we got like a coffee and breakfast and chatted. I was there for a wedding and I was like, uh, but he was there just to hang and we just talked. He was like the nicest dude ever and we've slowly like stayed in random communication but I, like his presence is such a really warm presence mm. and then when, yeah, when, he was there. I was like, holy crap, this is like the best surprise ever that you're here. And getting the chance to just like really spend a lot more time with him talking about things he's passionate about is that as a man, this is like, I did not expect this, but Mm -hmm. this is like one of the best things here. Like the people that you get to run into and be able to have like these meaningful conversations. Um, and then a few weeks later after that, I was teaching at workshop in New York and the same thing kind of happened there. Like there's some really awesome connections that happened there. And it kind of made me realize like, man, like people don't recognize how much power there is in making human real connections mm. in person, not online. Um, yeah, no, I, we, uh, I was, was just at a bridal show actually mm-hmm. this past weekend and, uh, I don't do bridal shows often, but it was actually my first one, but I was so stunned at how many photographers there were there and that I had never met. And so my whole thing was just like going to a photographer and like, Hey, what's up? I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to connect with you and connecting with so many different people in person. And every single one of them uh, said back, they're like, wow, like we love that you're coming to talk to us, like that you, you want to have a community. And I would take a photograph of them and they would come find me at my booth and they'd say, oh man, thank you so much for taking that photo of me. And I was like, what? That's what, like, this is what we do. We take photos. What do you mean? Why is that a big deal? But for them, it was like, like even that simple interaction, like they were starting, they, hopefully we help start a community here in yeah. in Denver of just like, I mean, that's probably why we do the pod, but it's just like, oh, we're, we're people here that just need to connect and yeah. who are creating and feel like they're in a vacuum, you know, but we're well, not even, like, you know, even when we're doing those gatherings, which we need party planning, yeah. one. Um, people always be like, yeah, like it's so great to meet all these other photographers in Denver. Like no one ever does anything. We're like, 
really? Like, how would you just like, we put a date in a calendar and we like showed up and got drinks and we just told people about it and people yeah. would be like stoked about it. Yeah. And so I was like, cause you guys do it all the time. Like you do all kind of like these arc hangs and stuff like that. Like yeah, you're really good been, about that. It's been something that I've been wanting to just keep the community going outside of the big annual conference. So yeah. whatever that is. So my, the idea was like one should be like a hike or a trip and, and then the other one should be like drinks and, and then something fun like yeah. karaoke, bowling or table tennis or whatever. And then so keep repeating that. Question for you. Cause I think this is really relevant to like, blacklight and stuff too is like you have a container for these events arc arc is the main container mm-hmm. like you have the conference but you also have this like hey let's gather in this in the name of arc so to speak it's something that to expect for people um do you feel like it's good to have a container like that like it's, it makes it easier for people to understand what is happening or comp- comprehending what's going on versus just being like hey we're having a random gathering um yeah i mean it's just just the uh I think I think it just gives people the opportunity to to know a bit about the brand and 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 give those people um, an opportunity to just reconnect with maybe photographers that they followed online before mm. and but didn't get a chance to actually meet at the conference. So that's a good opportunity to um, to connect. But um, I'm not sorry. I'm not sure if I answered the question. No, that's correctly, okay. Yeah. But no, I, I like, <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. It's, maybe like we should have like blacklight stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, definitely. It's also, it's also a lot easier for Sachin because he is extremely good looking. Like <laughs> when we were walking down the street, we were so just I'm walking. I'm going to spit out my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah. No, Thanks, we Eddie. Yeah. You're pretty good looking too. And yeah, is that why you've unbuttoned your shirt? Yeah. <laughs> While we were walking down the street, stop staring, stop staring, bro. Uh, this lady, two ladies, one lady was like, mm-hmm, he's so good looking. And I was like, dang, man, like, I feel like I'm in his shadow. And someone else said something while we were walking down. I can't, you didn't hear that one, but you hear you heard the other lady. She was like, uh, what did she say? I can't remember. Do you remember? No, Not sorry to make you you don't you remember <laughs> just someone to say it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, dang, man, this guy just has it easy. Oh no. Never had this ever. The one in my life that before. I heard the guy the lady was like, Oh, he's so fine. You know. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> it's nice to get a compliment like, walking down the street, but I've never had that. Honestly. Yeah, no. It was pretty funny. It's probably the accent. Yeah. It, Were we talking? <laughs> we weren't talking. The lady was just like, Oh, he's so fine. I was like, wait until he talks. Wait until he talks. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> anyway, um, I do want to ask you about the ease um, of doing things with your good looks. I'll ask you a question about that right after the break. Are you practicing your British accent? That was not my British accent. That's like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo from... uh, Ooh, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Uh, It was very funny to me. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Kaylee's trying to get on the mic Kaylee's on the mic. Nice. Oh, Kaylee. Kaylee is literally the best. Well, one of the best dogs. I I don't want to say the best. Yeah, sorry, man. Whoa, bro. There's another dog in my life. What, What dog is better than Kaylee? The dog that is in Vancouver that belongs to my friend Eric called Lily. That is a chocolate lab and she's she's amazing, man. Is she better or is she equal? Yeah, I would say equal. Okay. Equal, yeah. They're both, oh man, they're both up there. If you had to live with one of the dogs, knowing what you know right now, if you had to take one dog and live with it forever, which dog would you Please take? Please don't put me in this position, man. I'm putting you in the position. Which I dog? have to pick one? Mm-hmm. I think I'll 
go with Lily, man. Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just Lily's been a big part of my life. How do we end the podcast? She, she's yeah. the one who like made me more comfortable with dogs because I have had two bad experiences with dogs in my so life. What so what you're saying is she's the MJ and Kayla's the LeBron? Like MJ and LeBron. MJ, MJ and sort of mm. mapped out the ability for LeBron to be the best. Oh, MJ is in... There's only one MJ in my life, and that's Michael Jackson. You're talking about Michael Jordan here. Yeah, um, yeah, Michael Jordan. Oh, that's why I didn't... Sorry, basketball and, and me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry that <laughs> but you yeah, chose I guess, incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is really awkward now. Well, something that we can all relate on is uh, Instagram. Mm. Yeah, we need to get Kaylee an Instagram account. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I was going with this. Kaylegram. Kaylegram. Yeah. Uh, you have some interesting, interesting thoughts about Instagram. Sachin. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, these were these are thoughts that were um, inspired by you, AD. So maybe okay. you should uh, take about uh, tennis here. No, I, I think when I think about on, online and the way that the world, the photography world works right now, is that uh, we kind of let our images live and die online? There, we don't have a future home for our imagery. We don't. There's no place for them to go. We make the image, and then our destination for the image is social media. Social media, yeah. and then once it's there, I have done the image, and I have to do nothing else. I mean, some of us also think about magazines, and some of us think about. Printing, and you know, is for us in the industry, for the wedding industry, we want to. Th- I think about my clients' walls. I want my clients to print their photos and put them on their wall. Um, but if that doesn't happen personally, my photos go to Instagram. And so you have a few different Instagram accounts for your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think about the life of your imagery? Uh, where maybe don't talk just about Instagram, but just mm-hmm. in general of the life of your photo. Uh, what routes do you let it live? Yeah, it's a good question, man. Like, um, I definitely want them to live like tangibly, um, in people's hands or on people's walls. Um, especially with my couple. So every couple, um, this year for sure is getting prints. Um, the wedding that I'm going to deliver this week, I want them to, they're in their sixties and I want them to just have prints as the first time they see their images. Um, but, uh, for my street work, I, I love street photography. Like I'm working towards a book. I don't know when that book is going to come out, but that's kind of how I want my street photography to live. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to have more of my friends art at, at home and, in, and around my walls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, guess, I guess that's how I want, want them to live, but definitely tangibly in people's hands and on people's walls yeah. is, is where I see them. Do you guys think that we are creating this fake culture of like the all the what we're ultimately talking about is this the graveyard that Instagram is this mm. the image graveyard things go there they live for a minute and then they die I think a lot of younger photographers younger creatives are like putting all their eggs in that Instagram or social media basket mm. do you think we're not doing a good job equipping people to think more long term about what they want to be doing with their work I feel like there's just this I feel like people are put up online and then it's gone and I don't know how you stand out in that market unless you're like, you know, it's crazy to think about what that might look like. I don't know. Like, how do you change that as a culture? Is it possible to change it as a culture? I mean, it's, it's, it's so twofold because if we think about the rate at which uh, artists of the past have created, you think about, uh, let's say, Rodney Smith or Henry Cartier-Bresson or some of the great image makers, 
Um, we know that we have books of their work over their lifetime, and that is now how we consider them to be great. But now it's like we're constantly putting imagery out, and we're expected to have imagery. I think that's something that Instagram drives. In order to be relevant, you have to constantly be creating imagery to be in, in people's feeds. And so it. I think for that, it... It takes the, you know, I don't know that greatness keeps striking that often. And so it takes the level of photography down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I also, on the other side of things, uh, the younger generation, this is part of how they communicate. This is part of how they see. And so to ask them, what do you think about Instagram? We'd get a different answer because I was just like at this bridal expo, you know, a couple of brides, they they would come and I'd have this talk and I have a card and I was doing all, and they would just say, I'll just look at you on Instagram. And then they leave. They wouldn't even like talk to me, which I was like, Oh no, I want to talk to you. I'm very about connecting and don't look at him and smile. <laughs> Sorry. Kelly's yeah. just stretching yeah. out and making you me love happy. him. Don't you? I, yeah. do, I do love Kelly. Yeah. Your answer's <laughs> changing a little bit. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Anyway. Uh, and so it's hard to know for me. Like I know I think of it as like, yeah, the images that are 30 images down in my Facebook, in my Instagram, they will never be seen again. Like the the masses aren't going to scroll all the way down to see that. And so if it's not on my website or like my favorite body of work, where else can I really, my images be alive and, and breathe and live if I'm not making sure they get featured or whatever. And so I, I do agree that it's a graveyard for that. Like we post it and then it's not going to be in the feed. But yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I don't know what else I, to do. I think your thoughts on greatness doesn't strike that often. It's really interesting because I think we're, I think if we're honest, Instagram is more or less a advertising platform that we scroll for fun. Like, mm. like it's like watching Super Bowl commercials, except they're not all good. And it's like, we're all looking at what everyone else is trying to sell us. And if it's not, a friend of ours who's a photographer, you know, filmmaker, it's like friends of ours who's selling like, and some people, yeah, here's my life. Here's this stuff. But I don't know how many people I follow that really just like just sh showcase just their life in the most common and form of it. I feel them for sure. That's like family and friends. Like I don't, you know, so like we're willingly scrolling through advertisements 24 seven hmm. or whatever, however much time you are on it. Which I think is really interesting. And I also think that there's this, if it is an advertisement, if that is the concept behind it, then, you know, whatever sells is what, people create. And so are we pushing people into these niches to like, you're almost forced to make certain things that appeal to the masses. Of course you're not forced, but like in the general, like telling people, Hey, this is what sells make this. Uh, and then I think what ends up selling is like the most beautiful locations, the most beautiful people, the most beautiful places, the most beautiful hikes versus actually being like the most incredible experience and the most incredible, like, um, art. Like it's just like what is ever is. And I think that's what, as I think about creating images, I'm thinking about how do I not, contribute just to the graveyard and it's a it's a balance there there is something to posting photos that people like there is something there's a reason people there's a certain zeitgeist that we are riding on top of and mm -hmm. there's a reason people like what they like i love what kylie jenner did with the egg and how mm -hmm. that you know it seems like such a foolish sort of like whatever she just posted an egg but how that of 2018 was the most like photograph of instagram and as a tell that is, it's a very big thing of social commentary, like yeah. that she would post this thing and it's just a random picture of an egg, but it's the most liked photograph. And so now we have two sides, like, yeah, she, it's, it's 
it's awesome because maybe there's a story. She was pregnant, you know, all that stuff. Um, and now after that, I think the most liked photograph was her her baby's uh, her her baby holding her thumb, and it's just a random iPhone pic, mm. but it was super liked. But th- that is a beautiful thing. Like you can feel something when you see the photo. It might not be artistically or well done, but for 2018, or it was the most liked photograph. And this is our industry of photographs. And so to to look at it and say, oh, that's foolish, is uh, is to be too much of a commentary on the commentarian of the times. Yeah. Like to be too far away. And so I have to say, okay. That's that's part of the zeitgeist that I live in. Yeah. Like, and I am supposed to be telling stories to to influence people in this time. So therefore, I have to speak their language. Yeah. And so that's part. That's just part of the way I think. Like, I yeah. have to speak their language, and so therefore, I have to know how they talk. And so that's how they talk. Now, who are you? Ta- who is the now the most liked Instagram person? Is she's a singer. Uh, young Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Didn't you tell me this thing? Yeah. So yesterday. Was, yeah, you were yeah. just randomly reading it, but the fact that like, oh, she's like, and it's not—is it her music? I don't know. Or is it just how she looks? I don't know. I haven't looked at her site. I don't know. But it's an interesting thing that this is. I'm. My expertise is image making. Yeah. Instagram is an image maker's platform, right. and so there has. But to it's be, not about the images; it's about the marketing. That's the thing. The right. Piece. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it is like a. Well, it is, but it, and it isn't as well, and it's not the only place to to put our yeah. images. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, I, I, I do agree with obviously what you're saying, but I I, I struggle to put my some of my favorite images on Instagram because it's not the best way that that mm. image should could be viewed. So yeah. the street photo that I showed you earlier on my phone, it's just like ah, oh, it it feels like painful to me to share something that I I really love, but is better viewed just bigger basically yeah. it's just tiny on a screen on my phone and it's like yeah. a quick swipe by that somebody may or may not do and it has to like instantly right um yeah, whereas, basically you have like two seconds to connect if it doesn't hit yeah. in two seconds like yeah. it's you're gone yeah, and that's, that's not yeah a good not, photograph yeah. sometimes you have to sit with yeah. and so yeah. knowing that the very simple like that's Instagram works for very simple, eye-catching, beautiful imagery, or right. yeah. some you know it has to be simple of purpose, like which I think is a great idea for a photograph. But if it's if it's complex, too complex or too tiny, you know, then it doesn't work yeah. to yeah. go on there because people will swipe. I'll swipe right by it. I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Well, it's funny because like your your photo you posted just recently, the one with the table, mm-hmm. and like I like had to like stop my feed and just like like stop and just look at it and like look the, the whole like photograph like eye the whole thing up and down and see what's all there like see like i want mean, to like digest every piece of that and because i was just like this is so interesting and so i so started like it took me like 10 15 seconds just to, like sit there and like look at the whole thing because there's so much happening in a good way i was like i want to i want to i don't want to miss anything here yeah. i think that's not how a lot of people experience images yeah no or art in general like sometimes art is meant to be sat with mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of something on a wall yeah. or in a museum is you can sit there and it, it can change your life you can be moved you know but and there are plenty of amazing photographs yeah. on instagram but the, i do the same thing i do the same thing it's mm-hmm. like i swipe right past it mm-hmm. and I, I like it i'm like cool that guy's cool mm-hmm. that guy's cool too you know i'm glad i'm following him because i'll see something else cool but yeah. Now that well, photo's died, and it's you know. The last time we were in Paris, we went to Musée d'Orsay, and they had a, Mon- a Monet exhibit, 
and there are a couple of Van Goghs. And it, it's a beautiful, it's an amazing museum. But we literally only did those exhibits because we wanted. I wanted to just sit with like Monet and some of the, the his work as well as the, there's a couple other um, artists in, the, in that exhibit. Um, but just like wanted to like say, I want to look at like 20 photo, 20 paintings. And just look at only those things, not like just go walk to the one next to the next to the next one. I like sit with them, spend an hour, look at them, and then be done. I don't mm. want to like siphon through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of random pieces of art. And by the time I'm at the end, I'm just like look like looking left and right, like fast paced, like mm-hmm. art, crap, tchotchke, like little earrings. Like, why, why do I care? Um, I want to like sit with it, which I think for me is a better way to experience art. Yeah. What was funny though, on contrast to this, is when we were in Mexico, we were in Tulum, and you saw all these Instagram influencers out there like taking photos of themselves or their friends or something like that too. And it, it's, it's funny and you can like laugh at them too. Like, Oh yeah, there's like some girl like taking the same photo like 15 times. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you can laugh to yourself. But on the other side, it seems like the catcher said, be like, there's a good chance that she makes more money than I do just going on vacation and taking oh, photos. No, it's a serious and, and it's just, business now. Yeah. Like, and it was just funny. Like contrast, like, like, Oh yeah. You kind of like roll your eyes and laugh. And they're also like, or they, but they're here to work. They don't come to Instagram to like, like dink around with their friends. They're here to work. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, holy crap. Like that's it's just an interesting, like the full spectrum. I've seen that too. In my sure. Sphere. Can I ask a question about yeah. Instagram? When you guys post an image on Instagram, what is, what are you hoping happens? Uh, for me, when I post them on Instagram, ultimately like I see Instagram as a place where I go to work. Hmm. So that, I mean that I'm there to, um, captivate people. I'm there to draw people into my fuller body of work. And I'm there to have people, ultimately inquire with me or connect with an idea that I'm trying to communicate. Um, I try to share things that I think will stick with people, but I do want the text and the caption that I share to be meaningful to me. And I try to not just put out stuff that's meaningless, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, my, my greatest interactions, I hope that someone interacts with me because of that, whether that's a message or an inquiry or something, I want there to be engagement with it overall. Um, because at the end of the day, like, I'm not posting photos just to post photos. I'm posting photos because it's part of my business. Mm. And that's for me how I see it. It's like, I'm here to work. Um, so it's, I mean, yeah, it's not fully altruistic by any means. It's like, no, Instagram for me is. Yeah, no, mine's the same. Yeah. Mine's work. But uh, I heard some guy at a workshop, uh, a guy from Anchor and Vale, he was just like, hey, um, your website is like your handshake and your blog uh, is like your hug. And then he said something else about Instagram. Maybe maybe he said Instagram was your hug or something. And so it's a little bit more informal. It's a lot of fun. He's like really wanting to engage people and stay connected. I think when I think about advertising, I just think about keeping myself relevant to people. Mm-hmm. And I've had like friends come up to me like, Hey, I love your work. We haven't posted anything recently. I'm like, oh, I moved everything to Instagram. I'm like, oh, well, I'm on Instagram. I only see it every like few days or or a few weeks and I was like well that's as much as I post and but because they're inundated with all these mm-hmm. other things they think that I'm not posting a lot but right. for me an image every couple of weeks is a lot of imagery if I want it to be strong and so you know and so anyway so it's a funny thing but I think that's how I think of it it's like a a, a place to remain in the minds of my, my clients or the people who like my work or whatever, or just to let people know what's up. Like, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, little mini projects that I'm doing or whatever. It's its own thing. And I, I have to respect it, even though it is, I do agree that it's a graveyard. Um, like for the instant that you post it, 
it does live for a moment, mm. you know? And so I might not be able to, people might not be able to sit with it and, and cry, you know, by it for a minute. I'm sure they can for certain imagery, but um, it's definitely changing the way that we communicate through imagery. Yeah. Like it's very, it's very fast, but the emotion comes and then the next photo is of a puppy and you smile, you know? And so, you know what I mean? Like if it's a heart, anyway. Man, so I wish there was like a puppy photos, like bookcasing my photo, like cute puppy, my photo, cute puppy. Yeah. Mm, perfect sandwich. <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to start doing that for my, on Instagram. <laughs> I'm just going to post photos of puppies and babies. People will love them and like them. And then I'll post a pup, one of my photos and be like, oh, wow, that makes me happy yeah, dude, too. You should just post for like one year, just post puppy photos, delete all of it and just post your, and you have like a yeah. billion followers and just post your wedding words. Yeah. And then you'll and be like, man, switch the account. And then else, yeah. That's what people do now. Like they'll, they'll work up a mm. huge account of like puppies, delete it and sell the account to someone. Yeah. Change the name. Boom. Yeah. They have 6,000, 7,000 followers and that's, you know, or, you know, so I don't know. It's quite funny. We can uh, can change a few gears here. We'll we'll start wrapping things up. Um, Dashan, tell us, uh, for those who are interested in ARC, what is the future of ARC? First, besides the future, what does ARC stand for? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's not an acronym. It's like TED Talks? For anything. No, yeah. Like it's, um, ARC to me uh, is the kind of ARC of our like careers or of our professions as creatives. they all kind of follow these trajectories or these arcs. So there's like a little arc in the, in the A. Um, and so we're always like growing, learning, expanding, um, always continuously kind of wanting to improve. Um, I really love like uh, the term Kaizen, uh, which is continuous improvement by um, like Japanese like strategy business thinkers. Um, so arc came to me uh, kind of actually, I think I heard um, Sarah, uh, Sarah Byrne speak about um our careers as as arcs and then i was like that's that that meant a lot to me and um and so that's that's what it stands for really just a uh, keep growing mm. and there's different arcs in our lives and awesome yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's so what, yeah. And what is what the is the future of arc yeah cool so yeah at the end of so i did the third arc uh, which levi and, and ad thank you so much for speaking at it and just thank doing amazing yeah yeah i'm very uh yeah uh grateful for you both for for being there and um so that was the the third one and and i want to want to keep it going each year but i felt like uh with this third one it was it was a lot of work and and some of the things uh in my own life like personally and with my photography i had let slide so um so i'm taking a bit of a, a break actually from continuously uh doing one annually um to just kind of like reestablish the foundation of uh, me as a creative and me as as like a human mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, with my relationships and and uh, health and well-being and things like that so um so the future of arc at the moment uh, in terms of the, the annual conference um is to be determined but I, for for 2019 but for april 2020 is when i'm i'm looking to what is what i'm building towards all right um, so yeah so on our calendars april 2020 you heard it here first you heard everybody. it here first in the black light podcast <laughs> april 2020 our yeah. returns <laughs> wow. now we can hold josh and uh, accountable to that too as yeah well. no yeah. definitely i'm i'm excited for for that year and and uh yeah please do hold me accountable <laughs> to that um and that gives me enough time to just like reestablish things personally but also with arc i'll continue the podcast which i have um, we, we also interview other photographers online. So, so that will continue to exist. I'm just, I'm just following my excitement and, um, and what, uh, yeah, inspires me. So right now it is actually mostly the podcast, but things are like 
working I am working towards Arc twenty twenty and excited to to bring it back to most likely Vancouver. Awesome. Um, well, yeah. so the, those of you that are already listening to a podcast, pop on over to whatever app you're using and download the Arc Creative Podcast. And there's already a ton of episodes out there right now, but there will be a lot more coming out as well too. Yeah, so, definitely. Thank you. Um, yeah. And yeah, where, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, so you can find me uh, through um, my photography website, which is www.suchincona.com. Uh, and I can't then, believe you just said www. Yeah, I know. Should I not say that? Is it just, should it be HTTPS? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Colon, colon forward slash forward slash. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Now it makes sense. I was so confused. Yeah. I what you were talking about. Like, what? <laughs> okay, you can edit that part out, but it's, yeah, suchincona.com. Definitely not editing that. Thank you. Overestimate how much work we do on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so suchincona.com. And uh, with Arc, it's um, this is arc.co cool awesome man all right that is a wrap <laughs> yes i was waiting for someone to start rapping uh yeah last our last episode i don't know if you listened to it uh eric clausen rapped oh, like man. full on yeah was that a, was that a legit freestyle no no he had written it out okay oh, like, well, it was, but it was still really good it, it was really good remarkable like he literally raps like it's kind amazing. of amazing. Oh, okay. Can you, can we take a break? Can I like come up with a rap <laughs> that defines this podcast maybe? And then we can, you know, then we'll, I, we'll, that'll be a bonus episode. Yeah. Okay. Bonus episode <laughs> rapping. All right, everyone. Thanks uh, so much for tuning in to the Blacklight podcast. Yeah. Really sorry. Our friendship took a plunge after you said you didn't like Kayla the best. Oh, sorry. It really hurts my feelings. Like you literally could have lied to me, but anyway, uh, <laughs> dude, so happy to have you on. Thank you. Man. Um, yep. Thank you, Levi. Yeah. Thank you, glad you're here. Yeah. And, you'll hear from us very soon with Black Lab Podcast. All right. Peace. Peace.